John Ziegler here, excited to announce that we have our first sponsor of the Individual One podcast. Now, as you'd probably expect, I do not do endorsements unless I actually use the product. And I just started using this one. It's Imbue CBD. If you're a golf fan like I am, and you've probably read about how CBD is all the rage with all sorts of respected people raving about the various positive physical aspects of CBD, especially among people like me who are, let's face it, starting to feel the impact of aging. Recently, I started trying multiple products from Imbue CBD, and I can already tell that, among other things, I am for sure sleeping more soundly, and my wife says she loves the Imbue CBD facial cream, although, to be honest, she doesn't need it. In case you haven't heard, CBD is the powerful extract from the hemp version of cannabis, and while it may offer many of the health benefits of marijuana, there's no high, it's legal, and doesn't require a prescription. The source I trust for CBD is Imbue CBD. This is a top-of-the-line product and classy in every way. Consequently, Imbue CBD is not inexpensive, but I got you a discount to explore all the many ways CBD might be able to help you. Go to ImbueCBD.com and get 25% off when you enter John Z. Again, enter John Z for 25% off at IMBUECBD.com. That's ImbueCBD.com, promo code John Z. This is episode number 73 of the Individual One podcast. For the record, individual number one is President. Donald J. Trump. And I am your host, John Ziegler. We are broadcasting from Los Angeles, California, and distributed internationally by the Global Story Network. This is the bi-weekly program which takes an honest and hard look at the presidency of Donald J. Trump from a conservative perspective because, unfortunately, no one else is willing or able to tell the real truth about him. And unlike the corporate media, we here at the Individual One Podcast have most definitely not been compromised or co-opted. Welcome to the program. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share it via social media. Follow us on Twitter at Individual One Pod. That's at Individual, the number one pod. Uh, happy Thanksgiving weekend to all of our American listeners and hope everyone is doing well throughout the world. There hasn't been that much in the news since episode number 72, which was this past Wednesday here in Los Angeles, uh, California. And so because of that, I want to take a look at the bigger picture of one of the basic premises of this show, which is that Donald Trump cannot be removed from office based upon the current factual record. And this basically will get into why his cult will never and can never leave him. Before that, though, I do want to tie up a couple of loose ends, which will lead us right into that discussion. One of the things that we talked about in episode number 72 uh, is this remarkably underrated scandal involving uh, the Navy SEAL who uh, Trump pardoned from war crimes, and then that ended up indirectly, almost directly, resulting in the resignation slash firing of the Navy secretary, because apparently he went around the defense secretary to make a deal with Trump. I don't know whether or not Trump uh, double-crossed him or whether or not that whole story is bullcrap. I mean, there's three different versions of it. I know that the Pentagon is not happy with the way the whole thing went down, and Trump is acting like he's the champion of the Warriors. To me, it's a scandal because the pardon should not have happened. It seems to me as if Uh, Eddie Gallagher, the guy in the heart of this, got lucky to have been acquitted during his court-martial because he had a whole bunch of people in his his own squadron, or whatever you would call it, I don't know what the correct terminology is, testify against him. Although I do, uh, from my rudimentary investigation into it, there were some good reasons for some doubt. And And I'm somebody who believes absolutely that you have to give uh, warriors in the field the benefit of the doubt, but not the benefit of all doubt. And I don't trust Trump's judgment to be able to discern that he knows better than the people who are actually involved and who have done this for their living for the, you know, however many decades they've been in the military, especially a guy who didn't even serve because he was Captain Bone Spurs during the Vietnam War. So I have no trust at all in Trump's judgment in general or in this particular area. But I wanted to mention it, one, because 
It's an ongoing story. The New York Times has a big piece out today, which in a normal world would be a, a huge deal, but in this world it's not, uh, in indicating that there are huge problems within the Pentagon, uh, including people who have been directly involved in this story with what Trump did here and that it has created a lot of tension within numerous elements of the military, which when you're the commander-in-chief, that's pretty much one of your main jobs is to make sure that that's not the case. But I have been a big believer that people are underestimating the advantages that Trump has at his fingertips to be able to survive scandals like this, which might destroy a normal president, especially a normal president whose whole persona is, I'm pro-military, I'm, I'm the tough guy, and here, you know, his own military has problems with what he's doing uh, with regard to uh, pardons for war criminals. Uh, but here's, the, here's a perfect example, taking this out of the theoretical and into the practical. So because he's seen as the tough guy, the pro-military guy, we live in this strange world where he's actually less susceptible to allegations that he's anti-military. Uh, it's the way human psychology works. And then because he is the president and because he's the commander in chief, he can do things that no one else can. Like, for instance... Uh, in a week and a half, or well, actually, I guess it's almost two weeks, the uh, the Army-Navy football game is going to happen. I guarantee you what's going to occur is that Donald Trump is going to attend the Army-Navy football game. And because the Army-Navy football game is attended by probably 80 90% Republicans and you know 80 90% military people, these are his people to begin with philosophically. And because they all believe that they need to respect the office regardless of their belief of the man, he will get an extremely warm reception at the Army-Navy football game. And then he will use that to say, see, told you, the military loves me. Correct. That, that, see, and then that whole story will be gone because there will be there'll be there'll be evidence right there in the public domain that the military is very pro-Trump and Trump is pro-military and his cult, of course, will echo this and we will rinse, repeat, and move on. I love the poorly educated. So just something to look at as one of the many, 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 many different stories that Trump faces where if he wasn't president, he wouldn't have the ability to withstand them because he wouldn't be able to have the big show of going to the Army-Navy game and going from the Navy side to the Army side at halftime and maybe flipping the coin and whatever it is, all the pomp and circumstance. That's the advantage of being president of the United States, and Trump knows how to take full advantage of that. Correct. Especially when it comes to his cult. Now, speaking specifically of the cult and today's primary topic of why Trump will not be removed from office uh, based upon the current factual record. In the last couple of days, there was a poll that got a lot of play, especially on Twitter, and understandably so, because it was symbolic of just how batshit crazy the Republican Party has become, especially with regard to Trump. It was a YouGov poll, and the poll result that got by far the most attention was that by a 53 to 47 percent margin, 40, 53 to 47 percent margin, Republicans in this poll now say that they believe Donald Trump is a better president than Abraham Lincoln. That's right. When asked, who's the better president, Donald Trump or Abraham Lincoln, by a 53-47% margin, Republicans say Donald Trump. You cannot be serious! It's just flat out ridiculous. But that's the world we live in. That's the world we live in, where now the Republican Party is a Trump cult. And one of the more interesting elements of this result is that, guess what? Trump didn't beat Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was still preferred by the majority of Republicans over Donald Trump, which, of course, and it's always difficult to interpret these things because you don't know how much thought people are really putting into it when they respond to a pollster. But you could certainly make an argument that there's got to be at least some racial element to that disparity, right? Because what's Abraham Lincoln most well known for? 
rightly or wrongly, by the way. There, there's, it's, a, it's a far more complicated history in reality, but I doubt many Trumpsters, uh, Trump cult members are, are fully aware of this because you know Abraham Lincoln said some of the most racist things I've ever seen in my life during the Lincoln-Douglas debates, and people just tend to ignore it. But he gets credit historically, of course, for winning the Civil War and freeing the slaves. So is that the reason why many Republicans don't view him as favorably as they do Donald Trump? A few years ago, I would have scoffed at that. But based upon what we've seen during the Trump uh, era, I have to now reevaluate and realize, oh, my gosh, there's at least a significant portion of the Republican base, a base that uh, I was part of for my entire life, that is racist. I don't know what the percentage is. I don't know how pervasive it is, but it's there. And that's one explanation for this remarkably insane poll result. The reality is that Donald Trump is not a better president than Abraham Lincoln. He's not a better president than uh, than uh, Ronald Reagan. He's not a better president than George W. Bush. He's not a better president than George Herbert Walker Bush. In my opinion, uh, he's the worst president we've ever had, even worse than Jimmy Carter. Now, people who are conservative will think that that's crazy because Jimmy Carter had a horrible economy. And uh, and far, 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 far worse economy than we have now. But my position on this is that the president has far less to do with the economy than people give them credit for. And that Donald Trump has had basically nothing to do with the currently good economy. He's done his best to try to destroy it with the tariffs. The tax cuts probably help, but they've also ballooned the deficit dramatically. Uh, he's he's done things like with the farm subsidies that if a Democrat did it would be considered to be total socialism. So I don't give Donald Trump any real credit for the economy. Uh, but I'm just talking about as far as, as how they performed their role in office. Nobody in my lifetime has been worse than Donald Trump from an ethical standpoint, from a truth perspective. I mean, to me, when you are a pathological liar and you have totally devalued the truth. You have made lying totally accepted, not just a little bit of lying, pathological lying totally accepted. That You have done more damage than, than any other president in my lifetime could do to the culture. It's almost like, you know, using Lincoln, it's almost like, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? I mean, you destroyed truth. What, what else is there? You destroyed truth. I mean, I mean, I, I can't get beyond that. Correct. I mean, so so when when truth no longer has value single handedly because of you, I, you know, I, I'm not going to give you any credit for the Dow Jones Industrial Average being at an all time high when it's on the exact same trajectory it was in the eight years before you took office. That's the reality of this. So what is what's really going on here? What is the basis of my presumption? that Donald Trump cannot be removed from office. We end each episode of the podcast with the current percentages of the chances of him not uh, finishing his first term. And by the way, when I do that percentage, not that it's very scientific, but there is some thought that goes into it, it's not just him being removed from office. There's all sorts of things that could happen. For instance, by the way, he could die in theory. Uh, he's a relatively old man and not great shape, despite what he will tell you. And so that's a big part of that percentage. He could theoretically die before his first term in office is up. There are also other things that could end up happening. There could be even bigger scandals that occur. The economy could tank in theory. Uh, the stock market could collapse. Also, you know, these are these are the things that are far more in my mind than he's going to be removed from office because of impeachment and the Senate votes 67 votes to remove him. That's not going to happen based upon the current factual record or the political environment. And, and, the, and the reasons why start with that cult that we reference all the time on this program. I love the poorly educated. The cult is never going to leave him. And uh, and I know this firsthand because, one, my wife's family has many uh, Trump cult members in it. Uh, I know other cult members uh, within the, the Trump uh, cult uh, from other elements of my life. I know soft cult members and I know hard cult members, and there is a difference. But the soft cult member, even in my estimation, in my experience, has almost as much political loyalty to Trump as the MAGA-wearing hard cult member. 
uh, for all intents and purposes, <clears throat> they're essentially the same because they're not changing their minds. And that's why that 40, 41, 42 percent number keeps coming up for Trump in almost anything, whether it's a, his approval rating or I don't believe he should be impeached or uh, this is his support against any particular Democratic candidate and never goes below that realm of number, at least hardly ever goes below. And that's because those people are never, ever ever going to leave him, at least based upon what we currently know. To me, I've always believed that there has to be something that directly impacts their lives directly and unequivocally in a clear-cut fashion for them to ever even think about leaving him. And here's why. There are several important reasons that might be obvious, they might not be, but I wanted to at least articulate them because it really is the foundation of, of a large part of my analysis of this whole situation. In short, this is much more about the cult than it is about Trump. You know that saying, you know, when, when people break up, it's not about you, it's about me, right? Okay, right, and that's always usually bullshit. It's actually about them, it's not about you. But the reality is... In this case, it's about them, not him. And here's what it is about them. It is not in their own self-interest for them to feel as if, and this is all about feelings, it is not in their self-interest for them to feel as if they were duped. It is not in their self-interest to feel as if they made a really horrible choice to totally change the nature of the Republican Party for a guy that didn't turn out the way that they had hoped for or expected. They are invested deeply, deeply invested in if him not being at least a success or somewhat of a success, at least not being a failure. And obviously there's no bigger failure than someone who would be impeached and removed from office during their first term. So that is not in the realm of possible outcomes. They already know, and I know this from my, my wife's family, they already have a conclusion. Like, for instance, on this impeachment debate, they already have a conclusion. The conclusion is that Trump is innocent or didn't do anything that bad and that he, they're just out to get him and the media is out to get him. The Democrats are out to get him. And uh, that they, they just need to get a rationalization in favor of that conclusion. And, that boy, they're willing to do almost anything to get there. I mean, it's a lot like, uh, you know, a kid with Santa Claus. Or it actually also reminds me a lot of uh, debating uh, supporters of O.J. Simpson in the 1990s after he killed two people. It's, in, the, in, in the way that it's similar that way, it's, it, it, at least with some of the people that I've had discussions with, it, you can almost see it in their eyes that even they don't really believe what they're saying. Correct. They just want to be able to come to that conclusion because it makes them feel better or less worse about themselves. And I've learned a lot about humanity over the years, not as much as I should have and not as quickly as I should have. But one of the main things that I have learned, especially in the last few years, about last decade or so, is that it is a lot a lot easier to dupe somebody than it is to convince them that they have been duped. I love the poorly educated. And so you're never going to be able to convince a Trump cult member that they were duped, especially you can't do so with facts and logic because they weren't duped with facts and logic. I guess the second thing I might have learned that's related to this is you cannot dissuade somebody of a position with facts and logic that they didn't come to via facts and logic. It was not a factual, logical decision to support Donald Trump in the first place. It was emotional. It was a way of lashing out at the establishment. It was a way of expressing anger towards uh, both the Republican establishment for having run wimpy campaigns. And that's not really what happened, but this is their view. There's some of what, of what happened, but it's not the primary reason why Republicans lost to Barack Obama twice. They lost to Barack Obama twice because he was a generational candidate. There were political circumstances beyond the Republican Party's control. The media was completely 100% in the tank and still had the power to influence elections back then. And yes, John McCain and Mitt Romney did wimp out a little bit. But 
But in the minds of the Trump cult member, they thought, ah, we're sick and tired of these wimpy campaigns. We want a fighter. We don't care that he's a liberal con man who has not qualified for the job and is psychologically unfit to serve. Doesn't matter to us. This feels good. And that's one of the great ironies of, of some people in the conservative side who claim to be about facts and not feelings. You know, people like Ben Shapiro. <laughs> I find it hilarious that Ben Shapiro is essentially a Trump supporter, although he pretends not to be, uh, because it's all about feelings. It's not about facts. It's not about logic. And it is completely hypocritical. A hundred percent hypocritical, because if Donald Trump had a D next to his name and was perceived as a Democrat, which he's been most of his life, the very same Republicans, the very same Trump cult members would despise him. They would despise him in every possible way. He would be the epitome of everything they hate. But because he has convinced them, he's conned them, that he is part of their tribe, and that's a huge part of this, because he's part of their tribe, even though he's not, then they are, are going to defend him to the end. And it's a lot like, you know, Alabama-Auburn, you know, the college football rivalry that uh, happened in the Iron Bowl yesterday. I mean, those people, there's no chance that either the supporters of Alabama or of Auburn believe that the other team was actually better than they were. I, I, there's just no chance. It's just part of their DNA. doesn't matter what the score was. A score doesn't matter. If you lose, it's because of situations that were beyond your control, the refs, bad luck, whatever. That you, it would be blasphemy. It is a religion. It is a tribe. And a huge part of the belief system of the tribe is that the other tribe is worse than they are. And in this case, that tribe is Democrats or socialists. And I'll tell you what, I mean, and granted, Democrats deserve a lot of uh, uh, blame for this. And I, we've talked a lot about this on the program. But they have played right in to this belief system. The belief system is that, well, you know, Trump is not great. He's got some problems. Uh, I agree with you on that. But boy, oh boy, have you seen the other side. And I understand that, but I don't agree with it. Uh, one, because I think Trump might be worse. And, and two, I didn't think that was the standard. I thought we were supposed to be better. I mean, one of my favorite Trump defenses from the cult is, well, look at what Obama did. Well, wait a minute. Hold on a second. I thought Obama was the Antichrist. How does that make any damn sense? If Obama was the Antichrist and you're comparing Donald Trump to him, how does that help you? But this is very tribal. This is all about self-interest. And this is all about trying to find a rationalization for a conclusion that they've already come to. Like, for instance, deep state. And Trump is smart enough to understand that this works. If you give someone a nebulous conspiracy theory like deep state, it gives someone something to grab onto that they can explain anything, even though it makes no goddamn sense. Correct. And there's no evidence for it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you're making people feel better about themselves. This is Trump's great genius. He makes the, the cult feel better about themselves. And a large part of the way that he does this, and I have to say that there's a, at least a, sh a shred of rationality here, is that Trump, in the minds of the cult, has an amazing record of success and beating the odds. They look at him as having magic. It's magic with Trump. With me, it's just works you know it's magic he told them what he was gonna do and he did it he told them they, he was gonna win the republican nomination and against all odds he did so slashing and burning everybody along the way he told them he was gonna beat hillary clinton and he just like the wizard of oz he beat the wicked witch of the west although i guess that was actually dorothy but the reality it doesn't matter somehow the wizard of oz got the credit for all for for the witches being uh, taken out by dorothy uh the, the reality is that uh, he gets enormous credit. He, he, he wins the general election. He saves the Supreme Court in their minds. Uh, he gets rid of the Wicked Witch of the West, Hillary Clinton. And then he faces the Russian investigation. And like Rasputin, he somehow survives yet again. He, where everyone says he's dead to rights. He access Hollywood tape. Everyone said he's dead to rights. And he survives again. The, you know, I'm getting the order mixed up, but you're going to know where I'm going with this. Uh, and so he survives Mueller. He, he said Mueller was, uh, you know, uh, witch hunt. This is all fake news. And in the process, 
you know, much like a Rasputin character, he's immunizing himself from any attacks. And that's why I've always known he was going to survive the Ukrainian situation. One, because the Ukrainian situation I do not perceive as a nuclear bomb. It's more of a missile strike that would take out a normal president, but not one that has this kind of immunity from rationality. And, and the reality is because he survived Russia, he's actually more well-equipped in the cult's mind to survive the Ukrainian situation, which is a direct offshoot of the, the Russian investigation. Even, of course, occurring, uh, the phone call occurring the day after Robert Mueller's uh, horrendous uh, testimony. Uh, and I, uh, I, I, I leave it with the uh, report. Yeah. So thank you, Robert. And so the reality is that this immunization process within the cult has now made him impervious to almost any attack because it's all either fake news or deep state or the Democrats have lost their minds. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what reality is. And then when you add this record of winning against all odds with a good economy and the fact that we're at peacetime, it is more than enough for any Trump supporter, any hardcore Republican, to continue to support him no matter what, which is why his numbers are never based upon this story. And I'll, I think there are worse scandals that have already occurred within the Trump administration than the Ukrainian uh, scandal, but this is the one he's going to get impeached for, and he will get impeached for it. Don't buy this narrative that some on the right are, sh- are trying to sell, that Democrats are getting cold feet. I don't see that at all. He's going to get uh, impeached. Unfortunately, it's going to be on a party line vote. My guess is the Democrats will lose probably significantly more votes than the Republicans will give them. I don't know that Republicans will give them any vote other than Justin Amash, who's a former Republican from, from Michigan. But he's going to be impeached. He's just not going to be removed from office by the Senate. And why is that? Well, when you have the cult so backing you so strongly and so brainwashed by you, there is a symbiotic relationship between that cult and the state-run quote-unquote conservative media because the state-run conservative media is not going to tell the cult something they don't want to hear because guess what happens when you tell a cult something they don't want to hear? They tune you out. Correct. They attack you on Twitter. Correct. And they might even threaten your job. Correct. And you end up maybe like Shepard Smith from Fox News Channel. And so because there is no Shepard Smith and Charles Krauthammer is dead and General Michael Hayden is no longer on Fox News Channel and General Ralph Peters is no longer on Fox News Channel, there's hardly any voices. Andrew Napolitano has been attacked by Donald Trump. He can't do it all on its own. Chris on his own. Chris Wallace can't do it all on his own. There are very few voices. Britt Hume had a lobotomy a couple of years ago. So there's nobody on Fox News Channel with enough uh, power and influence and and a loud enough voice to be able to override uh, the rest of the narrative on that outlet. That outlet is going to service the cult because it is in their self-interest to service the cult and everyone gets what they want. The cult gets to feel better about themselves. The Fox News Channel has their ratings maintained and they don't lose their jobs. And of course, uh, Donald Trump gets what he wants because they, the cult is maintained for him. It is cult maintenance. That's what the conservative media is all about. Uh, we have seen this in other elements of the conservative media. Glenn Beck, who is uh, a friend of mine. I like John and I wish he had a friend. Uh, Glenn Beck is the ultimate example of this. Glenn Beck tried to fight this reality, and he put up a good fight. And in my opinion, he ended up giving in. Now, he and I, he and I have had enormous amounts of communication on and off the air. In fact, just in the last week and a half, we had a very heartfelt talk about all of this. Uh, and I believe that, that he does not believe that he consciously in any way sold out to Donald Trump, that he believes he's te- he is pursuing the truth. And and he and I disagree on, on Trump and the basics of that, but I take him at his word that that's his intent. But I have also cut him enormous slack because not just that he's a friend, 
but because I also know that he's in a unique situation. He's got a lot of people relying on him for employment. And I also know the reality is that you cannot run a major national conservative media organization and be against Donald Trump. It's just not possible. Correct. The numbers just aren't there. The money just isn't there. And so when Beck put on the red hat, literally, and softened towards Donald Trump, and again, I take him at his word that he did so completely earnestly and, and sincerely, that was a, a clear message that ended any doubt whatsoever that there was no other path. There was no other path in the conservative media other than being supportive of Trump. And thus, the symbiotic relationship between the cult and the state-run now conservative, quote-unquote, media. And so when you have a cult and you have their, 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 their ability to rationalize anything greatly enhanced because they have their own media outlets to tell them what they want to hear, which did not exist in 1974 when Richard Nixon was facing impeachment for Watergate. Now you have a situation where it's impossible to pierce that bubble. The, there's nobody who's going to do a kamikaze run and pierce the bubble. Shepard Smith kind of sort of tried. It didn't work out. He got tired, and he left Fox News Channel, whether he was forced out or didn't so on his own or somewhere in the middle of that. I don't know. But, but the reality is we now know for sure that nobody can go up against Trump within the conservative media and live to tell about it. And so guess what? No one else is going to try, no matter what the facts are, because the number one thing in media is keep the gig. That's the number one thing. The truth doesn't mean crap to people in the media. Correct. Donald Trump will be the first to tell you that. That's the irony. Donald Trump actually does understand the media pretty darn well because he's a lot like they are. They're all morons, narcissists, uh, people who don't really care that much about the truth. They care about their own fame, their own fortune, and keeping the gig. That's what it's really all about. And so there's no one who's going to go up against him, no one in the media. And so, therefore, he's going to maintain that 40% plus or minus within a couple of percentage points, very strong support. And when you have that, you might not be able to win re-election, but you cannot be removed from office. In the House of Representatives, and this actually has surprised me. I mean, I'm as cynical as they come when it comes to the cult, Right. But even I am surprised that retiring members of the Republican Party in the House of Representatives have shown absolutely no sign that they're going to vote to impeach Donald Trump. That is, that's depressing to me, but that to me is the ultimate example of just how incredibly strong the cult is. Because even people who are retiring are afraid of getting Trump's wrath and the wrath of Trump's cult. But those who are even in office, they are all terrified of a primary challenge. Because they all know that if they vote to do anything in favor of Trump's impeachment, that in come springtime and early summer, when their primaries are up, they're either going to run unopposed if they back Trump because they're an incumbent and no one can go up against you because if someone does, Trump will just come into, into your town and wipe the guy off the map or even just tweet about the, the, your opponent and they're done. That's the power Trump has over the, the cult. And the cult is even more powerful in a primary because no one votes in a primary except for cult members. So, so therefore, everyone in Congress knows that if they go, if they go up against Trump, they're going to get a primary opponent. It's very easy to find a pro-Trump person who wants to you know, be famous. And guess what's going to happen? If it's prominent enough, they're going to get on Fox News Channel and One American News and lots of talk radio because Trump will signal we're targeting this incumbent Republican who committed the ultimate sin of going up against me. And because everyone's afraid of that, no one will poke their head out. No one will go outside the herd because they know they're going to get run over. The, the movie that I think uh, illustrates this reality more perfectly than any other that I've ever seen is the movie Valkyrie. 
starring Tom Cruise, which is about the effort to try to pull off a coup against Adolf Hitler. And I'm not comparing Trump to Hitler, but politically, there are similarities here with regard to the fear within the Republican Party and how devoted the Republican Party, or at least at its core, is to Donald Trump. And when you watch that movie, you realize that it, when when a few people started to poke their head out and they looked like they might be successful, there was some movement in their direction. But as soon as it turned, all the rats jumped off the ship and everyone got slaughtered and everyone died. And no one uh, wants to repeat that. No one wants to be the guy who dies. We don't live in that world anymore. Maybe we once lived in a world, maybe our founding fathers lived in a world where, you know, you know, we all hang together or we surely will hang separately or, you know, I, I regret I only have one life to give. That, all, that stuff, whether it was ever real or not back then, it ain't real now. I can assure you that. No, forget about your life. No one's even willing to give up their gig, their reputation, their cushy situation. Nobody will give up anything. No one will even be willing to be criticized, which is amazing to me. As someone who's been criticized a lot in their life, this really blows my mind. It blows my mind that no one is even willing to be criticized. It's not that bad, guys. It really isn't. You know what? If, if you have your big boy pants on, you can take it. Uh, yeah, but that's another story for another day. Uh, so you, you have the cult, the state-run media, the House members are terrified of, of a primary challenge, and then we go to the Senate. And the Senate is where this will eventually end up. And I have predicted this Long ago, way before we even knew who uh, President Zelensky was or the Ukrainian phone call or Gordon Sondland or any of these people, way before this, I've always said there's no shot in the Senate because John McCain is dead. Because John McCain is dead, it eliminates any chance for there to be a foundation of a resistance. There's no chance for anyone to have cover. That's what cowards need. They need cover. And John McCain, being a war hero, a national hero, uh, the 2008 Republican presidential nominee, he could have provided cover. He would have provided cover to Mitt Romney, the 2012 Republican presidential nominee, and he also would have provided cover to his supposedly best friend, Lindsey Graham, who has turned out to be a complete Trump sycophant the moment that McCain died. So in, in losing McCain, and I said this when he died, this was a very prescient prediction, although not that difficult on my part. I said when McCain died, it was all over for getting rid of Trump because you're going to lose Lindsey Graham because his balls are in McCain's casket, and you're not going to be able to have Mitt Romney be as outspoken because he doesn't have cover. If in the world where John McCain doesn't get uh, cancer and you know he's still spry, and Lindsey Graham is still by his side. If you had McCain and Lindsey Graham and Mitt Romney, that would be a powerful threesome to provide cover for others. Now, it's all theoretical, but it's not fanciful. It is very logical that that's what would have happened. If McCain had survived, if McCain was alive and well, you've got McCain, Graham and Romney. That gives you the last two Republican presidential nominees before Trump, and it gives you uh, the uh, you know the, currently the chairman of the Judiciary Committee in the U.S. Senate. That is a lot of that's a lot of pull right there. That's a lot of cover. And then with that kind of cover, by the way, you might not have lost Jeff Flake, you might not have lost Bob Corker. I mean, these are not directly related, but in this world where they thought their all hope was not lost for an anti-Trump Republican, Jeff Flake and Bob Corker don't essentially resign from the Senate. They don't seek re-election. But because they decide not to seek re-election, you've now lost McCain, Flake, Corker, Romney loses one of his balls, Lindsey Graham loses both of his balls. Now you got nothing. You've got nothing to coalesce around. You have nothing to provide cover for anybody else who might want to find their soul, who might want to find their conscience, who might want to actually vote not just for today, but for the future of the country. And that's not going to happen because we do not live in a world where anybody 
is courageous. No one in a position of power does anything to risk it because the people who have pursued these positions for the last generation or two are essentially people who wish they were in Hollywood. They just weren't good looking enough. It, that's the problem. That, that's the fundamental problem. And I, I'm not someone who looks at the past with rose-colored glasses. Maybe it was always this way, but in the television age, there is no question that uh, people who decided to go into journalism and decided to go into politics did so much more so for the fame, the glory, and the money than they did out of truth or principle or doing what they could for the country. And, uh, and maybe that was always somewhat the case, but in the modern television age, it's 1,000% the case. These are not the people that our founding fathers thought were going to be leading the country. And they're going to prove that in spades once this impeachment goes to the U.S. Senate. So just to be clear for those that are not that familiar with our system, there would need to be about 20 Republicans to flip on Trump in a Senate impeachment trial. And that's just not going to happen. There will be no momentum to get there. Now, I, I do believe, I, I think that if the, the facts all bore out and in the, on this Ukrainian situation they are, I personally believe you ought to add in some elements of the Mueller report, uh, specifically Trump's perjury to Robert Mueller and his written answers and obstruction of justice in that situation. I, I think if in a, in, a, in a remotely ideal set of circumstances, if you had McCain, Graham, and Romney, you could get the 20. Because people would think there's a chance to get to 20. But when people don't think there's a chance to get to 20, no one is going to leave the herd for fear of getting run over. You need at least 65% public approval for impeachment and removal in order to even dream of getting to 20 Republicans to flip. And you're not going to get there because of that rock-solid 40-41% who will never speak ill of Donald Trump out of flat-out fear. Correct. That's where we are in this. It's depressing. I'm sorry, but that's the reality, and people need to understand it. I have had a two-year-long text debate with a good friend of mine who is a member of the state-run media, works for a very, very, very pro-Trump, essentially state-run media outlet uh, with whom I have a bet that uh, Donald Trump, uh, in my, from my perspective on the bet, will not be removed from office or will not leave office by the end of this year. I'm now one month away from winning that bet, a bet that at one point we doubled because my friend was so convinced that Trump was going to leave office by the end of this year. So I'm, I'm looking forward to January 1st of 2020, uh, not just because it's New Year's Day and here in the uh, Los Angeles area, we got the Rose Bowl and all that kind of stuff, but also I, I'm very confident I will win this bet. This person has, is, is, as recently as just a week or so ago, still believed that they might win the bet, although I think deep down they, they now realize that that's not going to happen. And the, and the disconnect between the two of us has not been factual and not been a lack of understanding of the cult. This person works within the cult, so they understand it. But what they don't understand is that no one is going to stand up, that no one is going to do the right thing, that there's no currency in being courageous in this era because the people who are there don't value that. And Lindsey Graham is the ultimate example a total fraud who, for the beginning part of his career, pretended to be Mr. Principal, Mr. Character, standing up for what was right, the leader of Bill Clinton's impeachment in 1998-1999, and who is now a complete and total fraud in every possible way. And the transformation of him after John McCain's death has been just totally and completely pathetic. Uh, but also very, very uh, illuminative about what's going to happen to the rest of the Senate once this impeachment goes to the Senate for a trial that will probably be a complete and total sham. Now, in a moment, I will have a few closing thoughts on this episode of the podcast. But first, here's an important interview I did with Tom Bauer, the founder of our sponsor, Imbue CBD. Tom, thanks so much for joining us and for your sponsorship of the program. Please uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your company, Imbue Botanicals. Sure, John. Imbue Botanicals produces really the most extensive line of premium clinical-grade full-spectrum CBD products, including tinctures, 
capsules, topical lotions and salves, and even award-winning beauty products. They're available in multiple strengths for both people as well as pets. Our premium Colorado-grown hemp products are non-GMO, cruelty-free, and even vegan. Now, a lot of people might not be that familiar yet with CBD. It's getting a lot of publicity. But for those who aren't, what is CBD and why do you guys think it's so important? CBD is short for cannabidiol. It's one of the 115 or so cannabinoids that are found in the cannabis plant. It's generally accepted as the cannabinoid or the element, basically, that provides the health benefits for cannabis. But science has shown really that CBD works best when combined with all the other cannabinoids and the natural terpenes that are found naturally in the plant, which is why our products are full spectrum, meaning they offer a full cadre of all the cannabinoids and terpenes for maximum effectiveness. Now, Tom, you mentioned that Imbue uses hemp. Tell our audience, if you will, the difference between hemp and marijuana, and why your product is not the latter. Great, John. It's really important to understand this. You know, we're all familiar with medical marijuana. Our products are are not made from marijuana. They're actually made from hemp. Basically, hemp and marijuana are both the cannabis sativa plant. The difference is that hemp contains extremely low levels of THC, which is the cannabinoid that makes you high when you ingest or smoke marijuana. By law, hemp must contain 0.3% or less of THC by dry weight. So, so low, basically, that you can't get high from the product. So, in essence, basically, with hemp, you get all the health benefits of medical marijuana without the high or the psychoactive effect of THC. I should also add here that Congress last year passed the 2018 Farm Bill, which essentially legalized hemp federally and descheduled all the non-THC cannabinoids. So, Essentially, it's, it's, uh, it's legal, which obviously people want to know. You know, can, can I buy it? Can I use it? It's legal. Now, when, when I use it, it's really helped my sleeping. I've only just started using uh, some of your products. But tell us, uh, what are some of the benefits that our listeners might find if they, if they use Imbue Botanical products? Really great question, John. We're actually not allowed to make claims about CBD or products per the FDA. Just an aside, if your listeners come across sites out there that are making health claims, we should always just avoid them. Just You don't want to deal with, with folks like that. It's, it's not legal to do that. But that doesn't mean that there aren't health benefits to CBD. We at MU Botanicals always encourage our customers to do their own research. There is a ton of information and studies available on the Internet. You want to talk to your physician, your independent pharmacist, even your veterinarian. You know, become informed. We've seen some absolutely amazing things personally and with our customers. Obviously, you know, the onus, if you will, is on each individual to to go out there and, and do the kind of research to see if it may be a fit for the kind of things that they're experiencing. Also, you know, check out our website, which has a ton of additional information as well. And that website is? It's www.imbuecbd.com. That's www.imbuecbd.com. Now, you mentioned the FDA, and just before we taped this interview, there was a news story where the FDA put out a warning and sent letters to, I think, 15 different CBD companies. Yours was not one of them. It was perceived as the FDA basically, I don't know, seemed to be like backing away a little bit from CBD. What was your interpretation of what the FDA did and and how should our listeners interpret it? That's an extremely good question as well, John. And I think first and foremost is what the FDA is doing, especially when they're sending out letters to companies that they send letters out to, is doing their job. Their job is to really protect the American public from, you know, basically, you know, drugs that shouldn't be there, that aren't doing what they're supposed to do, that can cause harm, and also making sure that companies are doing what they're supposed to do. In in the case of these letters, these companies were making health claims simply because of how FDA operates and and the way that, uh, you know, CBD, which is basically a kind of a a brand new uh, thing for FDA, they're not allowed to make. You know, I'm glad that they're doing that. You know, we never make claims uh, at Imbue Botanicals. That's something that, that is, again, is, is goes back to the customer to do a lot of their own research on. They also came out with some basic overviews and essentially said you should really know what you're doing before you take CBD. It's not necessarily something you should be taking in water and in food products. You should basically get the kind of information that you need and talk to your healthcare team, your physician, your pharmacist, your, your veterinarian to make sure that there's a medical professional, you know, kind of assisting in the process. Now, in my experience, having used the product and seen the packaging and everything, you guys are totally first class, but first class comes with some expense. You guys are a little bit more expensive than your competitors. Tell us, tell us why you bring more value. 
we are more expensive than some folks and certainly not more expensive than others, but, uh, but we're, we are a higher-priced product. And the reason for that is, is where we grow, how we extract, how we formulate our products. We do that for maximum effectiveness. And, you know, what our folks tell us, and whether they're the pharmacies that we sell to or the customers that use our product or patients who use our product every day, they tell us that the product works and works better than things that uh, other products that they bought. It's more expensive to do it correctly, but ultimately that's obviously what customers want. If you're going to spend the money, they want something that works, and that's what our products do. So, Tom, if our listeners want to buy your products or learn more about them, where should they go? Go to our website. It's www.imbuecbd. That's www.imbuecbd.com. Imbuecbd.com. Tom, thanks so much for your time and your sponsorship. John, thank you. Thanks for what you're doing. Appreciate it. So finishing this episode of the Individual One podcast, as always, we uh, complete the program with an update on those percentages I referred to earlier in the show. Please, again, no wagering. Uh, I'm going to change the percentage chance of Donald Trump not finishing his first term in office down to 11%, partially because of some of the things I discussed in this episode. Uh, while his his percentage for chances of getting reelected, I'm going to bump that up to 40%, not because uh, I'm getting less confident in Joe Biden. I mean, actually, the Joe Biden numbers are looking pretty decent, especially nationwide. I don't understand why everyone that uh, makes a challenge to him seems to immediately uh, obliterate, whether it's uh, Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is, is still in the process of making his run, but there's some things negative things happening to him. Uh, He's still doing well in the state polls. But nationally, Joe Biden is still very much in command. And I've always said that if Joe Biden is the nominee, he will beat Donald Trump. But that number, I'm I'm bumping it up to 40 percent, partially because I'm starting to lose confidence that even Biden beats Trump. Not because Trump's approval numbers are going up or that anything is really going to change between now and then. It's I, I just think that this whole Ukrainian situation is having blowback on him among swing independent voters that gave him this uh, this political superpower, if you will, to begin with. And that's exactly what Trump wanted. <laughs> this is all working out somewhat in the way that he, he envisioned when the Ukrainian scandal began. I think his first vision was that Biden would be taken out and Elizabeth Warren would be the nominee and that he'd get to talk about Pocahontas for the entire general election. That may or may not still happen. It's less likely now than it was uh, a few weeks ago. But uh, I, I now think he's getting his his consolation prize, which is he's, he might get Joe Biden, but he's getting a damaged Joe Biden. Now, whether that, that damage can be uh, uh, fixed, I don't know, because, you know, frankly, Joe Biden's not that good at this. Uh, even though he's got some you know, political qualities that help him greatly, number one, that he's a white male who doesn't appear to be a complete woke nut job, and he's uh, got ties to the right states that are needed to beat uh, Donald Trump. But uh, so I'm I'm slightly bumping that number up to 40 percent based upon my, a waning of my confidence that Joe Biden is as much of a slam dunk. Uh, as he was once before the Ukrainian scandal began. So, again, for the record, 11% chance that Trump does not finish his first term in office, 40% chance that we have to go through this for another uh, four years at least because he is uh, reelected, depending on, obviously, his health. That'll do it for this episode of the Individual One Podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, review, and share it via social media. Follow us on Twitter at Individual the Number One Pod. That's at Individual the Number One Pod. And until Wednesday, my name is John Ziegler. You're listening to the Global Story Network.